All right, so we need to talk about uh, text messages. We have had a text message this morning. It's been a little bit quiet. We uh, like to hear from you guys, so send us through some text messages. We love to hear what you have to say. Uh, let me see here. Critical race theory. Um, I actually think it's a great idea. I think they're saying, you know, banning critical race theory. No one should believe... No one should be forced to believe a lie. My concern is, and this is this is interesting, that every time they bring in this type of law, they end up being used in reverse. Okay, so this is the really important thing you've got to deal with because you get something bad, and it's like, this is bad, we need to ban it. But then you have to ask yourself, on, yourself the question, what precedent does that set? What precedent does that law set and how could that be used in reverse? And this is one of the reasons why I'm a little bit, well, very much against banning stuff. I'm banning, I'm, I'm, I'm very much in favour of banning people to be forced to learn something or be forced to do training in something, mm-hmm. which is what I think the law in Idaho is actually doing. But I am totally against and would passionately defend anyone's right to actually express or to teach critical race theory, even though I disagree with it. Mm. Because if I don't protect their right to disagree with me, then my right to disagree with them goes out in the same principle. That's true. And freedom of speech, freedom of religion is something that we need to protect. Well, freedom of speech and freedom of religion go hand in hand. You can't have freedom of religion without freedom of speech. And we need to protect those rights. They are so valuable to a free and safe society. Okay, so continuing on, the devil never sleeps and keeps coming up with things that throws away all common sense that force lawmakers to make laws for everything. Isn't that a fact? We have so many laws. If you Mm. took all the laws that there are here in Australia, you wrote them down on paper, you wouldn't fit them in probably this entire building. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) And we're always making a law for something. Um, At the end, it results in total control. Like China today. Mm. China's a scary place. Yeah. You know, you look at China and they've got cameras everywhere. They've got, you're being tracked. Um, I was surprised when I heard that my friends can't use YouTube or Facebook or Gmail even. Like they can't access to that there in China. It's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Mm. And, and you know, you look at what the what is happening to the Uyghurs, the Uyghur population in China, where they're being thrown into concentration camps because of their faith. Mm. Um, you look at what's happening with Christianity. You look at what's happening with their um, their social credit system. Yeah, you either go up or down the social credit system, mm. and you get more rights or less rights depending mm. on where you are on the social credit system. Um, so yeah. Um, China is a China is a scary place. Mm. Uh, let me see here. Yes, another text coming through. Um, all right, in relationship to the discussion about critical race theory, but not in a school you own. You have the right to ban whatever you want. Uh, they are government schools, and then that's a and that's a fair call. That's true. Because you know, if I choose to send my children to a Roman Catholic school, mm-hmm. then I expect that they will receive a Roman Catholic education. Yeah. Right. And that they will learn Roman Catholic principles, Roman Catholic doctrines, etc. That's my expectation. Mm-hmm. If I send them to an Adventist school, I expect that they're going to get Adventist education. If I send them to a Baptist school, my kids went to a school that had a Baptist background, and I expect them to be taught, you know, Baptist principles yeah. in that school. That's that's mm-hmm. you know, in your own private school, then there should be you know certain expectations. But you know, we're talking about government schools, and that's what the law is about in mm. in uh, Idaho is about government schools. 
All right, so good, uh, good text message coming through there. All right. Can I ask yes. one thing? Because um, I work for uni, um, University of Newcastle. Okay. And it, um, it's a little bit, um, recently there's, um, um, some rule changing. So we are a Christian club, uh, called Adventist, um, student on campus. Yes. But then there's, um, a lot of, a little bit of restriction that other Christian, uh, um, groups are suffering from. They are asked to change their purpose or aim of the, um, Christian value. And, um, it is maybe because the um, things happening with the uh, LGBT things, or they wanted to protect the right for um, people with the LGBT. But then, to, by doing that, they are saying, "Oh, you cannot change. Uh, you need to change your Christian value. You need to change your aim of the Christian club." And that's it's kind of like, "Oh, in order to protect certain people, like, are you saying you have to like?" Are you forcing us to change our value? Like, it's kind of like, um, um, it's just like uh, doing the same things, like oppressing the people who have the value, who have the belief or things like that. So It's an interesting discussion because when you look at the history of um, LGBT equality and freedom from oppression, that freedom from oppression originates with Christianity. Mm. So it was Christian principles and the promotion of Christian principles that really brought an end to the persecution of LGBT people, <laughs> and that brought an end to uh, the you know the, the oppression of that particular you know bullying and so forth, mm. uh, because it was Christians who stood, stood up and said you know we can't have bullying. We, we should treat everybody as our neighbour, regardless of whether they agree with us or don't agree with us or anything else. Somewhere along the line, that narrative has been changed. So now we live in a situation where oppression is not doing something against somebody else. Oppression is disagreeing with somebody. Mm. And so Christianity came along and said, we need to stop the bullying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We need to treat LGBT people like human beings in the same way that we treat any human being. Yeah, yeah. We need to treat them with love and respect and acceptance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, of course... The difference is affirmation mm-hmm. because, you know, as Christians, we don't, we, we have acceptance but not affirmation. Yeah. And uh, the way the world has gone today is that if you are not affirming, mm-hmm. if you disagree, then that is somehow interpreted to be a form of bullying and oppression. Mm, That's such a good point. Now, this is scary. And the reason it's scary is because that's totalitarian. Yeah. When you are forced to agree Mm -hmm. and forced to affirm Mm -hmm. a particular worldview or ideology, that's total totalitarian government. That is true. And this is what we're seeing taking place in Western countries Mm -hmm. today, and that's what concerns me about the movement. I think that, well, the Bible is absolutely clear that we need to treat every single human being on earth with love and respect. Mm. No questions asked. Yep. Um, And in order to have love, there's choice as well. (laughs) It's so true. And, 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 you know, totalitarianism does away with choice, Mm. which does away with love. And what people don't realize is that they are actually creating an environment in which they are destroying the very thing that they are fighting for. Mm. 
I love what you said just there. That is so insightful. Without choice, you don't have love. Mm. And that's what God desires for us too. Like God doesn't force us. Like yes. God gives us choice. Even, yeah, God gives us, even though he knows the best for us, he knows what's good for us, but still he gives us choice to choose. I think I think a lot of it comes about as a result of people actually misunderstanding Christianity. Mm. Because when, you, when you're not a Christian, when you take Christianity out of the equation, the distinction between disagreeing with somebody and disliking somebody is very close. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So, yeah, as I was saying, the difference between disagreeing with somebody and disliking that person is very close. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a secular person um, and you are on one side of politics, for instance, you then disagree with the people on the other Mm -hmm. side of politics. It's very easy to dislike those people. Mm. You know, it's like, I disagree with your ideas, I disagree with your (laughs) thoughts. You have bad ideas, you have bad thoughts, therefore you are a bad person. Mm. Now, Christianity teaches the exact opposite of that. Yeah. Christianity teaches, I disagree with your thoughts, I disagree with your ideas, yeah. I love you yes, as a person and mm. I accept you as a yeah, person. True. And unless you understand Christianity, you actually don't understand that aspect of Christianity. Mm. And so I can see why a lot of secular people, when they look at Christians and when Christians disagree with something, they yeah. just assume, well, then they dislike. Yeah, that's true. That's where, like, God, does God love sin? No way. But he does he love sinners? Yes, he does. Well, well you and I would be in lots of trouble if he didn't. <laughs> You know, that's just uh, that's just how it is. Yes, indeed. Good thoughts, good thoughts. We need to get to our Bible study. Let's go to Genesis chapter 28 and verse 14, please. Hannah, Genesis 28 and verse 14. Let's see what the Bible has to say. We're going to be talking about uh, the blessing to Abraham. All right, what have we got there? So Genesis chapter 28, verse 14, it says, Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so this is this is actually a bit of a repetitive theme. And we're going to notice a few different verses where this is repeated to Abraham. And this is one one of the reasons why when we talk about the covenants, we often go back to Abraham because Abraham was the person in the Bible who the Bible who God spoke to the most about the covenant. Mhm. Yeah. And so we talk about the covenant made with Abraham. Yeah. And it's kind of seen as the greatest of all the covenants in some ways is this covenant that is made with Abraham. And this is the covenant. You know, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and will spread out to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And when we look at our world today, um, we can see that, you know, if you were to you know find a, a DNA match for Abraham and then test the population of our world, you would find that... Abraham's DNA would be very widespread around our world today. <laughs> That's so interesting. So that is true. Yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you come from Asia, and this probably doesn't apply to Japan, but they say that, you know, I think it's one in seven people in, you know, places like China, you know, Vietnam, those kind of um, Asian countries carry a DNA cluster that can be traced back to Genghis Khan. Oh, wow. One individual. Wow. And one in seven people, you know, and that's how far it has spread over those years. And if you do your family tree, Mm -hmm. it's remarkable how quickly and how wide 
that family tree goes in a very short space of time. That is true. And maybe it doesn't seem like it because, like, my friend, um, her grandparents are, like, grandfather is um, Japanese, but then she got child, and then uh, she doesn't really look like Japanese. So, like, you know, even though we don't see it, but, like, we have that DNA. Right. Okay, so they've had a child that yeah. that uh, has thrown back to some previous like, DNA. It's like, Camilla. well, where did this come from? Yeah. Camilla's um, grandparents. Grandfather is Japanese, but Katrina, can you see? Like, you know, can you see? Um. You know, I know Camilla. And Camilla, of course, Camilla Scaff comes here. She's a regular on uh, Faith FM. She's a health director in our region. She does a health segment here on Faith FM. And until you said that right now, I had no idea that she was in part Asian. (laughs) Yeah, she's quarter Japanese. She's one quarter. There you go. (laughs) I had no idea. Yeah. And and this is kind of how it goes, you know. Mm. It just spreads and spreads and spreads, and the uh, and the and the and the whole, you know, we are just really one big family. That's true. That's right. Particularly once you start doing your family history and family research, mm. and finding out where you come from. And when I did my DNA, I found that I came from uh, Southeast Asia. I came from India. I came from Iran. I came from Scandinavia. Wow. I came from the UK. And wow. I'm just a mixed bag of all kinds of stuff. And it's just so awesome. Um, that's the way that God created our world to be. Yes. And here we've got. You know, God comes to Abraham like your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And he doesn't even have any children. Mm, That's right. Um, But they're going to spread out. But then he goes on and God says more than just that. He says, all people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Mm. Okay, so, uh, Hannah. Yes. As a Japanese person, how have you been blessed by the offspring of Abraham. Mm. The Bible says all peoples on earth will be blessed. You know, I'm an Australian. Yeah. This is this is a country, this is a nation, I should say. The country, well, you know, there was obviously people living here. But as, a, as the nation of Australia that we know it today, yeah. never heard of, never dreamt of in the time of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't think like that. No. And yet the Bible says that all the people on the earth. Mm-hmm. So that includes the people who were living in Australia then yeah. and now mm-hmm. blessed through Abraham's offspring. Mm. And that will um, yeah, lead us to the question, who is the Abraham descendants? Isn't it? That's right. Okay, so who is it that's actually speaking about here that has been a blessing to the entire world? Mm. I think um, um, I was co- uh, I'll just go to the quote in Romans. Um, uh, ro- uh, sorry, Romans four thirteen and fourteen. Um, for the promise that he would be the heirs of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. So I understood that those people who are counted as righteous people who believed in God, who followed God and obeyed God. Okay, this is a really good point that you've raised right here. And there's another passage um, that goes right along with that in Galatians chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder whether you could flick over there and have a look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 and 29. Yeah, 
It says, "There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise." Now you don't look like a Jewish person. <laughs> no, I don't look like a Jewish person. <laughs> Yeah, no. But the Bible says that if we belong to Jesus Christ, then we are Abraham's seed mm. and heirs according to the promise. That is true. So it doesn't, the looking looks doesn't really matter here. Yeah. No. <laughs> and even the DNA, because you and I probably don't, who would know, but we probably don't carry any of Abraham's DNA. <laughs> That's true. We never ask the question like, oh, do you have the DNA of Abraham? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly, when I did my DNA, there was no, there was no Jewish DNA that popped up. There was nothing, nothing that um, indicated that I've got any Jewish DNA there at all, and uh, it's just a fun thing to do. But it, um, yeah, didn't flag any Jewishness anywhere. So I'm assuming that <laughs> I'm not a descendant of Abraham. But the Bible says that if we belong to Jesus Christ, then we are descendants of Abraham. Mm. And so here we've got a spiritual application where the promise is given to Abraham and are given to us. Mm. That is right. It is not a physical or generational, I would say, but yeah, it is by faith. When we have Jesus in our life, that's how like we become the uh, child of God and descendants of Abraham. And this is, and this is the connecting link. The connecting link is Jesus. Mm, that's right. Because Jesus is the one who is the physical descendant of Abraham. He was he was Jewish. Mm-hmm, that's true. And uh, at the same time, he was the one who brought all the nations of the world together because it's in Jesus and his sacrifice for us that every single person on the planet has the opportunity mm. of salvation. That is true. And I, I was thinking like, you know, when the Bible says that Abraham was counted righteousness, I was thinking, but Abraham was still sinners, right? Like, Oh, yes. No, he was a terrible sinner. Yeah. Look at the way he treated his wife. Yeah. It's like, oh, don't worry about you. you just let, let, the, let, the, let Abimelech and, or, or Pharaoh, they can take you and have you just so that I can live, you know. Mm. I mean, mm. it was terrible, That's terrible. True. You and marry <laughs> someone like that, I'm like, Hannah, don't even go there. Don't. <laughs> Don't marry someone like Abraham. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, he was a sinner and we all are sinners, right? Yes. But I think that the penalty, you say, like sacrifice that Jesus uh, paid for us, that's through God count us righteousness. Yes. And that's, that's not ourselves. That's not our merit. That's the merit of Jesus. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, we need to get back to what we were talking about with our Bible study. And we were discussing the concept of all nations being blessed through the seed of Abraham. Mm. We're going to look at a few different verses um, where we sort of see this being repeated. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. So let's start there, Genesis 12 yep. and verse 3. Verse 3, yeah. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so God comes to Abraham. This is right at the very beginning. And God says, in you. Mm-hmm. In other words, in your descendants, all nations of the earth will be blessed. And we can sit here in Australia mm-hmm. as a Japanese person, an Australian person, um, and we can be under the blessing that God pronounced on Abraham way back then, um, which is amazing. Okay, let's go to Genesis 18, verse 18. Genesis 18 and verse 
18. It says, Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. This would be a remarkable promise to make to Abraham because he never lived in anything other than a tent.、Mm, oh, wow. You know, you think about it,、um, pretty much everybody who founds a great nation、mm-hmm. built a city. You know, you think about, say, for instance, the Babylonian Empire. Nimrod starts off by building cities. Yeah. You think about the Roman Empire. It started by the building of the city of Rome.、Mm-hmm. And people build cities and they put walls up around those cities and they create defensive、uh, arrangements and they put together an army and they become a great nation. Abraham is being promised you're going to become a great nation and he never lived in anything other than a tent. Tent. Wow. That's a great source. It's a, it's a huge promise. Yeah. Then we've got the one in、uh, Genesis 22, verse 18. 22, verse 18. It says, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Absolutely. Okay, so here we've got it. It's repeated. Um, in Genesis 28, 14, Genesis 22, 18, Genesis 18, 18, Genesis 12, verse 3, you've got the same concept being, re- being repeated again and again and、mm-hmm. again and again. In your descendants,、yep. all nations will be blessed.、Yep. Abraham is living in a tent.、Mm. He doesn't feel like he's founding a nation.、Yep. He is a successful、uh, farmer,、yep. but he doesn't even own land.、Mm. The only piece of land that Abraham actually owns is a cave. Wow. He bought a cave.、Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Nothing else.、Mm. Doesn't own anything else at all. And God, God just keeps coming back to him, you know? Every 20 years or so, God comes back and is like, yeah, you're going to become a great nation and in your descendants, all nations will be blessed.、Yeah. And in that promise is the promise of Jesus and the Messiah.、Mm. Yeah, he must be feeling like, Really, God. Like, my situation、yeah. is like this right now. Like, how can you bless? Like, how can be me be a great nation? Like, I'm just living in this small place, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we had somebody send through a text message. It says here, we know that all things, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him,、mm. who have been called according to his purpose. God allowed Abraham to behave that way. After all, God is in control. Mm. So, this is interesting. God is in control, and God could、yeah. have stopped Abraham、mm-hmm. from his bad behavior、mm-hmm. if he'd have wanted to. That's true. But he allows it.、Mm. And he allows it because there are lessons to be learned、wow. by Abraham、wow. and by us.、Mm. And I think that's for us too. Anything that we make、um, wrong decisions or like difficulties in our life, it's some, it's, it is the place where we can learn and grow as well. Yes. Okay, so coming back to、uh, our concept of the covenant that is made with Abraham and the covenant that speaks about the coming of Jesus Christ. What's the relevance? It's a, a question to think about. What's the relevance to the Abrahamic, of the Abrahamic covenant to the covenant made with Noah? So the covenant made with Noah is that, okay, there's going to be a, a rainbow. And that rainbow is a promise that I'll never flood the world again. I'm never going to destroy the world again by a flood.、Mm-hmm. Then he comes to Abraham and makes the promise of the coming of the Messiah.、Mm. What's the relevance to, of one covenant to the other covenant? And、uh, 
how relevant even is Noah's covenant if you don't have Abraham's covenant? So, so, so I guess, I guess um, I'm probably miswording my question here somewhere along the line. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to word it. But it's a little bit like this. Yep. If God just comes along and says, yeah, I'm not going to flood the world again, and that's all there is, that's not much. Mm. Because our world is a pretty sorry place. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty hollow covenant. Yeah. But when you add the Messiah to it, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, I'm not going to flood the world again, and I'm going to provide a way of salvation. Mm. Adds another level, doesn't it? That's true. And so suddenly the covenant with Noah has some meaning because it tells us that there is going to be more than just this world. Mm. There's going to be more than just a guarantee of no flood. There is a guarantee of salvation. That's true. It will be not only like just being, um, yeah, saved or, yeah, saved, but you will have the life that's abundant, that you will have more than that. It's not just, yeah. Because the flood is not the only way that the world could be destroyed. Mm-hmm, that's true. We will all face death too. Look at, look at our situation here in Australia. Mm. And, you know, we're going to be covering some stories on this over the next couple of days. Um, in fact, we're going to be covering the next couple of days the most dramatic story that we've ever covered on Faith FM wow. from Australia in relationship to floods and fires. Oh, okay. Wow. But we've had floods and fires mm-hmm. in recent years. Yes, that's right. And so God comes along and says, okay, I'm going to make a covenant. I'm never going to flood the world again. That's great. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he's not going to burn the world. Mm. And so unless you have Jesus, unless you have the promise of the seed of Abraham, yeah. the covenant with Noah is a little bit empty. That is true. True. But when you throw Jesus into the mix, when you throw the covenant with Abraham into the mix, then the covenant with Noah mm. becomes so much more relevant because it's not only one I flood the world, but I'm going to save the world. And of course, then, you know, how relevant is the coming of Jesus without the death of Jesus? Yeah. Well, it's not. Mm. How relevant is the death of Jesus without the resurrection of Jesus? Mm. Mm. It's meaningless with, if Jesus doesn't come back to life. That's right. How relevant is the resurrection of Jesus without the return of Jesus? Mm. All of it is meaningless without the return of Jesus. And so all of these covenants, they point forward ultimately to the return of Jesus Christ. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But right now it is time for... Question of the day. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was dramatic. I was like, wow. <laughs> what is happening? Okay, that was, uh, yeah, from producer Liam's day. All right, what have we got there for um, our question of the day today? Yeah, so, um, Lyle, you have traced Sabbath providence back to Jesus. But how far back before that can we have... Uh, certainty. Moses set in stone the um, observation of the seventh day, but what calendar was he using? Sumerian? This is a really good question. So mm. there are a couple of uh, questions that come out of it that immediately come to my mind. And I guess the the basic question behind the underlying question here was Jesus mistaken? Was Jesus wrong? Mm. And how do we know that Jesus got it right? 
Yeah. Okay, so from a Christian perspective, first of all, um, we accept that Jesus was God and God doesn't get things wrong. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, you know, some other people may be a little bit more uh, sceptical about that, you know, an agnostic person and so mm. forth might sort of have some questions as to, all right, how do we know that Jesus got it right? Mm. And, you know, for me, from a Christian perspective, I'm quite happy just to accept that Jesus is God. He doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. And so clearly the weekly cycle was intact when Jesus was here. Mm. Yesterday we looked at the logistics of actually losing the weekly cycle and we pointed out that to lose the weekly cycle is actually impossible Mm -hmm. um, because what you have to have happen is everybody forget what day it is and have that forgettance happen on the same day and have that forgettance never corrected. So those are three really big things that all have to triangulate Mm. to lose the weekly cycle. That's right. So the weekly cycle, when God created the Sabbath, and this was the beauty of it, God created a park in time. Uh, I love that about the Sabbath. Uh, He creates a memorial in time because it's something that can't be lost. You know, if he made made a physical memorial, yeah, it could be lost, it could wear out. A storm could destroy it. There's a lot of different ways it could disappear. But as a memorial of creation, by creating a memorial in time, he actually created something that can't be lost. Mm. Okay, so let's think about it then. What were the opportunities then uh, in past history for the Sabbath to be lost? Well, there's a couple of opportunities that sort of come to mind, I guess. Um, The first would be the Egyptian captivity and the second would be the Babylonian captivity. Mm -hmm. Um, These are times when God's people were in captivity, they were enslaved, uh, they were not in a position where they had their own rights and freedoms uh, as a people, and so you've got opportunity there, particularly probably the Egyptian captivity. Yeah. Uh, You know, when Moses goes back and he's like, I don't even know that they're going to know who you are. Yeah. Uh, for the Sabbath to be lost. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when they come out of Egyptian captivity? Well, the very first thing that, you know, I, that Moses does, you know, if you go to, uh, early Exodus here, let me just find this passage real quick. I think it's in Exodus chapter three, uh, from memory. Um, is it Exodus three? No, it's not Exodus three. Maybe it's chapter five. Uh, and, I'll come up with this verse in just a moment, but in the very early stages, the first thing that Moses does when he goes back to Egypt is reestablish the Sabbath. Oh, yeah. And this is one of the things that Pharaoh complains about. He's, he's like, you're making the people rest. You're making the people keep the Sabbath. Mm. Mm. Uh, what's this all about? You know, Because they're my slaves. They work seven days a week. Yeah. And, of course, that was an opportunity. And so we find that Moses yep. establishes it there mm-hmm long before Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And then also before Mount Sinai, when God leads them out into the wilderness, uh, they haven't reached Mount Sinai yet, but he feeds them with manna and teaches them the Sabbath again. So he's reestablishing the Sabbath. That's true. And so that even if it had been lost, you've got God himself mm-hmm. reestablishing it in Sinai mm-hmm. and reestablishing it in the desert. Of course, if you – and you've got the record of that. Mm-hmm. The other big opportunity for the Sabbath to be lost, of course – was during the Babylonian captivity a much smaller opportunity. And in that one, uh, you'll find that you've got Nehemiah and you've got the record of the Sabbath being reestablished under Nehemiah. Now, if of course you go back to Abraham, we've been talking about Abraham in the Bible study. The Bible says that Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. That's Genesis twenty-six and verse five. And so the Sabbath was, you know, part of God's law would be very clearly uh, established there. The last thing that we need to comment on is what 
kind of calendar mm-hmm. was Moses using?、Mm. And we don't know whether he was using an Egyptian calendar, a Sumerian calendar, a Proto Babylonian calendar. Yeah,、uh, we simply don't know. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because、mm. you can use any calendar you want.、Mm-hmm. You can use a Julian calendar. You can use a Gregorian calendar. The calendar is actually irrelevant to the weekly cycle.、Mm. You put any numbers, any days,、um, any number of months、yeah. on that calendar.、Mm-hmm. You can have an Agrigarian calendar. You can have a lunar calendar. You can have a solar calendar. You can have a mix of any of those calendars.、Mm-hmm. It doesn't change the weekly cycle.、Mm-hmm. The weekly cycle、sure. is just something that happens every seven days. Yeah. The most important thing is that Jesus kept the Sabbath, and we have the privilege today of keeping the same Sabbath that Jesus kept. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.